hey, we're going to transition this morning. And uh, if you came, uh, if this is your first time uh, this Sunday, you're in for a treat. If it's not, you're in for a treat anyway. Uh, because this morning, as we've been going through the series that we've been in, I've been uh, inviting different people from our staff and, and really inviting leaders from our church to jump in and to preach during this series. So this morning, I'm going to invite up uh, Scott Barone in a second. But Scott is someone who uh, serves in our kids' ministry. He and his wife, Denise, uh, serve faithfully in our kids' ministry each and every week. And they, they, we don't always get to see what's going on back there, but we're always being reminded of the good things that God is doing behind the scenes because we get so closed in on what's happening up here. Uh, Scott also uh, has served as one of our small group leaders and just really is um, somebody that I genuinely look up to as a person that has encouraged my faith ever since Callie and I moved here three years ago to Ponca City. So um, I know we are family together, but as I invite him up, can everybody stand on your feet as we welcome up none other than Scott Barone to the stage this morning as he comes and he brings the word. Come on, somebody. morning. Um, I know when, um, when Pastor TD first first asked me to come up here and, uh, and give a message, if I would consider that, um, it was a mm, couple months ago, a month and a half-ish ago, and the first thing I thought of was not two services. So here we are. <laughs> Thanks, Pastor, for laughing at that. That was, a, that was my one joke there, so. Yeah, so uh, I was like, let me do just one service because I'm kind of a freelancer. Don't get scared yet. I do have notes, but I uh, I know I can't do the same thing. I just don't do the same thing two times in a row. So for me and for my rhythm, I guess uh, one service was much better. So um, so I have some notes. We're gonna get right uh, right to it here. I do want to say one more thing that I one thought that I had last Sunday as. Um, as we were listening to the the series that was going on, uh, and I think TD, you were talking about uh, getting ready for the new baby that's coming, and um, and I already gave you a compliment, uh, Callie, but you just look so great today. So can you guys just give her a big hand clap? She looks so just so beautiful, so cute, full of life, right? But anyway, you were talking about getting ready for the baby, and the first thing to come to my fatherly mind is get sleep, get some rest. You know, make sure you guys are resting. So you guys be praying for them for rest to happen, even though they got Luca right there, right? He's full-time, nonstop, no naps. I had one of them. My firstborn, God bless her, was a non-napper. So um, she did not subscribe to the nap uh, ideology. So she was tough on Denise, right, my wife. So I was at work, working hard, and she was trying to figure out a way to get Mindy to go to sleep. So. Anyway, that's just for people that are looking at us on Facebook Live. They can know that Mindy didn't sleep very well. So she's a great sleeper now, though, right? She's a fantastic sleeper. So there is, uh, there is hope. So let me, uh, let me get started. Uh, one thing, like you know, Pastor T.D. mentioned, you know, we, I've been part of children's ministry here and in uh, another church when I was in Texas. So all told, uh, probably about 25 years. So 25-ish years of children's ministry. So if I get a little, if I get, that's not bragging, don't I, thank you, thank you. But that, what I'm saying is if I get a little interactive with you, <laughs> that's, you know, and all the kids kids church uh, members in the, and leaders in the, in the room said amen. But if I get a little interactive, that's that, right? So I'm used to feedback. I like feedback. 
and I believe that's going to help us all today. So let's uh, let's get to uh, what we're talking about. The first slide I think is going to talk about um, kind of the theme and is theme of what we're going to be talking about is secret identity. Everybody say secret identity. There's the that's the interaction. That's all we're going to do. It's not going to be embarrassing. We're not going we're not going to trick anybody. It's just going to be like that. So secret identity. So um, a couple of things how, you know, when TD asked me, you know, here's the series we're sent. We're trying to find our purpose in unexpected places. Um, I couldn't, I didn't really have a great title for what we're doing today. <laughs> so, but I think at the end of the day, the secret identity is that it, it, we do have a secret identity. And we're given a secret identity. We're going to jump into that. But it doesn't have to be secret, right? So if we'll just jump right in uh, to the Word of God in Acts chapter 13, and right where TD left off was where we're starting from last Sunday. So um, so I'm going to jump in. Verse 42 says, So when the Jews went out of the synagogue, the Gentiles, who were the non-Jews, right, the pagans and the heathens, they begged that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. Did you hear that? We'll get back to that. 43. Now, when the congregation had broken up, many of the Jews and devout proselytes, or another word for that could be converts, they followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city came out, came together to hear the word of God. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy. Hmm. And, co- and contradicting and blaspheming, and they opposed the things spoken by Paul. Then Paul and Barnabas grew bold and said, It was necessary, get this, it was necessary that the word of God should be spoken to you first, but since you reject it, everybody say, ouch, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, behold, we're turned to the Gentiles. You got one shot. And you rejected it, and so we're turning to the Gentiles. So we're still moving, right? So Paul and Barnabas, we turn to the Gentiles. For so the Lord has commanded us, I have set you to as a light to the Gentiles, that you should be for salvation to the ends of the earth. And that's actually also found in, uh, in Isaiah 49.6. Now when the Gentiles heard this, no surprise, they were glad, right? The Gentiles were like, wow. This is going to be awesome. Paul and Barnabas were in the synagogue, in the church, and now they're coming outside, right? They're coming outside. We get what God has for us. So they're happy. They're glad, right? And they glorified the word of the Lord. And as many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So follow me here. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. But the Jews, here we go again. The Jews stirred up the devout and prominent women and the chief men of the city. They raised up persecution against Paul and Barnabas, and they expelled them from the region. But they shook off the dust from their feet and went to Iconium. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. Can we pray? Father in heaven, we... We thank you for this time, God. We thank you because it's a time that, that you've set apart. Lord, just like you've set apart the, the, the time that you made for us to worship, 
now we get a chance to to just have a conversation. Lord, we ask that um, that your Holy Spirit has has been prayed for that would just be here in a mighty way. Lord, I ask that your word would go forth with no compromise. Lord, I ask that it would do everything that you intend for it to do. God, I just speak and believe that everyone in here has ears that are open. God, I ask that you would enlighten the eyes of their understanding. Help me as a speaker, uh, Lord, just to, to speak the oracles that you would have for all of us in our life. And we just declare that any doubt, confusion, and unbelief would just be cast out. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, all right, so so the setup is, as you remember from last last Sunday, the Paul and Barnabas were sent, and um, and they were uh, they went to the synagogue, is where they were sent, and they were speaking. They dropped this amazing account. If you haven't read the whole chapter thirteen, I know we're kind of going over that, but you might. I would just encourage you to hit it again because it's just an amazing account of the entirety of how Jesus came and how we have new life. It's just an amazing account. And when I was looking at that, I was like, wow, this is this is quite the bomb they dropped in the in the in the um, the synagogue. And uh, and yet, as we read and find out that the people that were in the church were like, we're not interested. We're really not interested in Paul, what you're dropping on us. We're not really interested in that. So Paul, <laughs> so Paul and Barnabas was like, well, you know, you get a shot and if you don't like it, we'll, we're moving. Because we got things to do, right? We got to be about the Father's business of taking this light to the Gentiles, right? That's our deal. That's our deal. And so, um, so they did. So let me go to the, to the next slide. And the first point I want to make is that kind of in the theme with secret identity, God gives us a new identity as believers. And so if you look at 2 Corinthians 5.17, Let's just read that together. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things, everybody say old things, have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Amen? How many of you are glad that old things actually pass away? I know I'm glad that there's some old things in my life, you know, that are that are past. And, um, and I'm especially glad that new things come. Right? There's a new peace. There's a new identity as we accept Jesus Christ that he, uh, he transforms us. So I got a clip. It's one of my favorite clips. So some of your kids have seen this clip because I've shared it in, uh, in, the, in the back room with the kids because it's just an amazing transformation that happens. We'll watch the clip. How many of you just want to go ahead and watch the rest of that movie right now? Anybody? Um, so that's such an amazing scene to me. It almost makes me cry sometimes every time I see it now. It's kind of sad. It sounds kind of stupid. But um, but <clears throat> I feel like what God spoke to me is that's, that's an example, an external physical example of what happens when you're regenerated on the inside. Right? So um, so how powerful is that, right? That's, that's amazing. Um so, you know, you, you have a, what I'll call it, a, a Damascus moment, right? And so let's talk about that. Um, a few things real quick while 
I'm getting my sea legs again, but uh, you know when he was when they were dialing it into 70%, right? And they were like, "Wait a minute, something's not happening. Something's not right." People didn't understand, and so they were like, "Shut it down, right? Cut it off. Don't do that. Don't make that choice." And uh, and then and pretty soon he within himself, Steve Rogers had to say, "Nope, I'm doing it. I'm not stopping at 70%. I'm not not going to be a 80 percenter." I need, I need 100% of what God has for me. I need 100% of that transforming power that he has for me. I don't want to stop short. I don't want to get ripped off. I want the whole deal, right? And so um, and it's not that the people didn't love him, didn't care for him, but they didn't understand, right? And you're going to run into people. We run into people that don't understand what, what is on the inside of us. Um, and so that's one of the points that we'll talk about a little bit more. But let me... Let me jump from that um, that transformation example to talk about a little about a little more about back to Paul and Barnabas. So Barnabas. So what do we know about Barnabas? We know that um, he was a Levite. So let me just tell you a little bit about what that means, uh, so you can kind of know who our cast of characters are, if you didn't know them already from your your studies. But in uh, Acts four thirty six and thirty seven, I'll just read that. Uh, and it says that uh, Joses, who was nicknamed, who was named Barnabas by the apostles, which is translated the son of encouragement, that's Barnabas, the son of encouragement. He was a Levite of the country of Cyprus. Having land, he sold it and brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. So a couple things we know is he's a Levite, and that's a birthright. The second thing was he was generous, Right? He was generous because he sold what he had, some property, and he gave it to the to the apostles for the work of the gospel. Um, so, so a Levite served. I kind of think, and I'll date myself, and I'm okay with that because I'm, I'm I'm older than some folks. But uh, if you're a Star Trek guy and you remember Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock being kind of like the number one, right? He was the first officer. In my head, I think that the Levites were kind of like the first officers of the of the, the of the of the of the temple. And um, and so what they did is they served as assistants to the priest, and it was their duty to keep the sacred utensils clean, to keep the temple clean, to provide the sacred loaves for use in the temple, uh, to open and shut the gates of the temple, to sing the sacred hymns. So they were also part of the worship team. Amen, worship team. All right, so Levites. Yep, you guys are kind of Levite-ish. That's awesome. And uh, and priesthood was reserved for the family of Aaron. So they weren't priests, but they helped the priests in every way, right? Sounds like they did pretty much everything there. There's a big-time ministry that helps, right, Pastor? So this was a lifetime job that Barnabas left to follow the call that God had on his life. So And that wasn't usual. It was unusual, I think, right, for Levites to bounce out of, hey, I'm being, I'm, I'm going to be this uh this uh, assistant to the priest and to go and do what he was doing to be sent in that way. So kind of back to our clip, and I'm going to mix it in a little bit with uh, with Paul. So Paul, he started out as Saul. So if you remember how Saul treated Christians, <laughs> it wasn't well. I mean, he was, he was actually known for killing them. And uh, we'll read about that here in a minute, but he was a Roman he was also a Pharisee, and his father, I think, he said, my father was a Pharisee also. So he was a Pharisee, and he was very well known, again, his old identity, right? His old identity was that he was uh, he would collect Christians 
and he had authority to do that. And let's, let's read that, um, Acts uh, 9. Do I, do I have that one on the next slide? Yes, I do. Okay, I'll just read it up there with you. So then Saul, who will later be, his name will be changed to Paul, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, right? So there you go. You can kind of get his old sense of his old nature. His old identity was he, he was a threatener and breathed murderous comments to against the disciples of God. So he went to the high priest and he asked letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus so that if he found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. So what does that mean? That means that he went to the he went to the high priest in the synagogue and said, Look, I need permission and authority from you so that if I see any of these clowns, I'm catching them, I'm binding them up, and I'm bringing them back. Right? Is that basically what, that, what that's saying? And so then uh, verse 3, as he journeyed, he came near Damascus. All right, so think about Steve Rogers again in the big light. And suddenly a light shone around him from heaven. Verse 4, then he fell to the ground and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you? And the Lord said, I'm Jesus, whom you're persecuting. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. So Saul, he, trembling and astonished, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do? The Lord said to him, arise, go into the city, and you'll be told what you must do. And the men who journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing a voice, but seeing no one. So the people that were traveling with him heard, but didn't see anything. Then Saul arose from the ground, and when his eyes were opened, he saw no one. So now he's blind. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. He was there three days without sight, and neither ate nor drank. So that's his, uh, that's his Damascus moment right there, right? That's quite an identity that, <clears throat> that got changed for him, right? So he was someone that tormented Christians and followers of God, followers of Christ, because there was a difference, I think, a little bit back then. You know, the Pharisees and the Sadducees thought that they were following God, but they weren't following the Christ and the teachings of the gospel. Not the same. It wasn't the same. And so there's a differentiation here, which is what brought about some of that animosity. He's like, I'm a Pharisee. You're not right. You're, you're over there with that Jesus group, and I'm going to bind you up. I need authority to do it, and I'm going to get it, and he got it. So let's go and jump to um, something that happened. We're not done talking about how uh, Saul became Paul. Um, because there's someone that, that, that is called Ananias. So what happened after this piece was... Um, they went to Damascus, and they were in a house of Jacob. So I think is what it's called on, on a street called Straight. And, um, and he got a vision. And it says, someone's coming. His name's Ananias. He's going to give your sight back. Meanwhile, back in um, Damascus also, Ananias got a vision. And, it was, and God told him, you need to go over to a street called Straight, house of Jacob. There's someone that's called Saul of Tarsus. 
I need you to go and give him a sight back. He's one of my chosen. And let's see what Ananias says to that, right? Because Ananias doesn't know the new Saul, right? He knows the old Saul. So let's see what he says. We'll jump around a little bit in verse 10. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in the vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am. And so then he tells him, I need you to go. And then here's what Ananias' reply was back to God. He said, Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here in Damascus, he has authority from the chief priest to bind or to tie up, right, to capture, basically, all who call on your name. And then the Lord said, hold on, time out. That's the old guy. That's the new guy. Go. Go ahead and go. For he's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles. Before the kings and before the children of Israel. So that's quite a twist. Because Ananias was no, he was no dummy, right? He had heard of this guy. This is before social media. This is before television, right? This is before the radio. Word spread about how much damage this man was doing to the kingdom of God, right? To the, the followers of Christ. So it wasn't that big a deal for him to say, wait, I don't know about this, God. This guy's going to tie people up. He's going to drag us off and take us back, and then who knows what's going to happen. So he knew he knew uh, enough to know what was going on. So identity. Everybody say identity. So for the believer, there's a lot of identity in the Scripture, right? So for the believer, for you and me, there's a lot of identity that we need to, we need to research and gain um, from, from, what it, from what the Scripture tells us that we are. So my question is, do, do we know it? How much of that do we know? How much do we know that our identity, our identity is not in our old way? How much do we know that old things have passed away and all things have come new? What are the new things that are coming? What is it, right? So I got a, this is an old, old sheet of paper that uh, the title of it says, Who I Am in Christ. I'm just going to read a few of them. There's like, I don't know, 40 of them on here. But just some thoughts to plant into your head. These are the things that we need to be dwelling on right as christians and believers we need to know who we are we need to know what we're about we need to know why right just like paul and barnabas were certain of their identity how about us second corinthians 5 17 we just read it says i'm a new creature right amen deuteronomy 28 6 says i'm blessed coming in and going out right how about that one uh romans 8 14 i'm led by the spirit of god right um, Romans 8, 37, I'm more than a conqueror through him who loves me. Proverbs 3, 4, I have favor with God and with man, right? Favor. That's not like God's going to give you a do a favor for you, although he probably will, right? That's saying he gets, favor is like preferential treatment. There's times where we know we got favor and it was exhibited to us, right? It was shown to us. And we're like, I didn't deserve that. But you know that was something that God didn't put together for you. So favor, how many of us need favor? How about sleep? Psalm 4 and 8 says, I sleep in peace, for God would have me only to dwell in safety. Right? Praise God, 
we can we can sleep. You know, and the Bible even says our sleep shall be sweet. Do we know that about our new identity? Romans 8:17 says, I'm an heir of God. I'm a joint heir with Jesus. I'm a joint heir with the Son of God. Kind of makes you stand up a little taller, doesn't it? Kind of makes you sit up a little little taller in your chair, your shoulders back a little bit more, right? I'm I'm not who I was. I'm a joint heir with the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Why? That's what God says about it. That's what God says about you. That's what God says about me. And then 1 Corinthians 3.16, this will be my last one. That, Like I said, there's a, there's a bunch of them on here. I'm the temple of God. You know, you're the temple of God. I'm the temple of God. How's our temple doing, right? How are we treating our temple, right? So a lot of things, but just, like I said, just an example. Those are some things that in the past and other, you know, children's ministry sessions that I've had and sermons that I've, I've done, you know, we talk about each one of those, like to some degree. That's that's something that we've done. So so I kept that because I thought that was strong, right? That's strong. It's good for, for me to, to dwell on that. It's good for my family to hear that. So let me jump to my next point. Keep moving here. Um, second point, God's going to give you purpose, right? Purpose. Everybody say purpose. So 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, Now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself. That's kind of a big word there, reconciled. Through Jesus Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Purpose. There's your purpose. God, what do I do? Now that I'm born again, what do I do? Go make disciples. Right? You're a minister of reconciliation. So one of the things I feel compelled to share with you is that you need to know that. You need to know you're a minister. Say, what, Scott, I'm a minister? I never, I'm just telling you what the, what the Word says about you. I'm just sharing that. It's not me saying that I think I'm a minister or I think you should be a minister or you shouldn't be a minister. It's not that. It's everyone, right? The playing field's even. There's not any, unless, unless you have a full-time job, you don't have, you're not a minister. Unless you have three kids, you're not a minister. You don't have to. Unless you're unmarried, you, you can't be a minister. It's not like that. It's everyone. Everyone and anyone, right? So you're a minister. Reconciliation, what is that? So reconciliation is bringing people and fixing what was a gap between them and God and putting them back together. So are you the one that actually does the reconciliation? No, God does that piece, but your, our job is to get them there. Let's point them in that direction, right? So that's what we're doing, disciple-making. Paul and Barnabas got the call, right? They got their purpose. And even Ananias got the call, right? Because he was like, hey, here's your purpose right now. Get over there, pray for Paul, for Saul, that back then, of Tarsus, and give him a sight back. So so everybody was getting, was getting the calls. And then verse 47 says two things. If you remember, we're called to be they were called to be the light to the Gentiles. They were called to bring salvation to the, and take salvation to the ends of the earth. So the same calls for us. Same calls for us. Same purposes for us. All right. Amen. So uh, number three, God has sent you. He sent you. Everybody say, I'm sent. Point to yourself. Say, I'm sent. You know, you may not feel sent. There's many days I don't feel sent. There's many days I'm sure pastors don't feel sent. But you know what? The Bible doesn't give us that out. It basically tells us that we're sent. We've been sent. 
not he will send you. You know, when I was younger, I would think, ah, oh, people that are sent, those are the guys that, you know, that uh, go overseas and, and work in third world countries. Well, that is sent, but that's not exactly the same kind of sent that I've also been given, that you've also been given. We're sent to, to be in the family that we're in, right? You're sent to your immediate family. You know, I've heard it preached that your family is your first ministry. It's your first mission field, right? So there you go. We're sent to be in the family to take light, to take salvation, the message, to take light to those Gentiles that are in our own family, right? We got, we got Gentiles in the family, amen? And we know. That's not a surprise. That's not saying something that's not true. Um, but we're sent. And so, um, so we need to understand that we're sent. And then, uh, so Paul and Barnabas, let's talk about that. How Paul and Barnabas get sent. In 11, 25 and 26, look at what happens. Barnabas, we talked about him, went to go look for somebody. He said, let me, if I'm going to go on this mission, let me, get, let me get somebody. And so he went, Barnabas departed for Tarsus to seek out Saul. So apparently he had heard of the new Saul as well. Now Paul. Verse 26, when he had found him, he brought him to Antioch. So they got him together, and the two of them went to Antioch. That's where they were sent to, this particular portion of Scripture. So it was that for a whole year they assembled with the church and taught a great many people. And the disciples were first called Christians there. You ever wonder where uh, the word Christian came from? Right there, Antioch. Antioch was the first place where Paul and Barnabas were for a year teaching people and they started calling themselves well in my mind i'm thinking people probably were making fun of them and they were saying oh you're christian ever heard that anybody so christ-like little christ um so yeah so so barnabas got he knew who he wanted to get right so if i'm gonna go i'm going with that guy i need that guy so i thought that was pretty awesome and then the, the two of them get sent right Chapter 13, at the beginning of the chapter, now in the church that was at Antioch, there were certain prophets and teachers, and I'll go through them, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, Herod, and Saul. Those are some of the teachers that were there, some of the prophets that were there, disciples that were there. As they ministered to the Lord and they fasted, the Holy Spirit said, right? It wasn't some guy that just said, hey, you guys need to go. It was the Holy Spirit that spoke to them. And he said, now separate to me call out and take out handpicking Barnabas and Saul for the work that I have called them. Not going to call them. Have called them. Then, having fasted and prayed, a lot of fasting going on right here, isn't there? They laid their hands on them and he sent them away. So they were sent, right? Amen. So Antioch, like I mentioned, was the first where the believers were called Christians. And here's something I thought was interesting. They were sent to the synagogue, right, to go speak at the, at the synagogue there in Antioch. But what happened there? Did anything, God, did God, Holy Spirit, did his Holy Spirit come in a mighty way and everybody inside the building get filled with the Holy Spirit and healings and all that? Not really. Not really, right? So that would make me, that would make me as, as one that was sent wonder about that right? Well, wait a minute, God, you sent me here, and I'm not seeing the fruit. What's going on? But that was just the first step into the next step, the, the, the means to an end, if you will. So they were sent into the synagogue, but then also they were sent to that community. 
And what happened when God, his presence was, was demonstrated in a mighty way, it was shown outside, outside the church walls, right? It was in the community where that happened, which I think is powerful. And that, to me, would have been the unexpected sent, right? I wouldn't have thought about, I would have thought about that, but you know, God knows what's going on the whole time. He knew, I'm going to send them over there, they're going to reject them. What's going to happen, though, meanwhile, is they're going to have some folks that are not Jews, and they're going to say, let me, let me get to those guys. That's really where I wanted them to be. So Paul and Barnabas, the next step in verse 46, it says that they were made bold. They were made bold. So as they're sent, he emboldened them. He gave them boldness. He gave them courage, right? I believe that's a supernatural courage. I believe that's for every one of you to have a supernatural courage to be able to speak what you have on the inside of you, right? What you have on the inside. What you might think, well, Scott, I, I just got saved. I don't know a whole lot. You know your story, right? You know your story. What is it? Tell it. Share it. I'd encourage you to share it. Try it. Just try one person. That one person you're thinking of right now. Just say, you know what? I'm, gonna sh- I'm just going to kind of share my story with that person. It doesn't got to be 20 minutes. It could be two minutes. But you, but you have it within yourself to share, right? So, um, so they were bold. They skipped right past the ones that were inside the building, and they went right outside, kept on rolling. So, so here's one thing this, I was going to share just a little bit about myself. So, um, so we moved here in 2007, and so um, what I what I think is kind of funny. I'm going to confess all this right here in front of you guys. So get ready. What I think is funny it, to me is you know my, I'm originally from Kansas, not Oklahoma. I didn't go to school in any of the Oklahoma schools, and I'm Heritage Phillips, which for all the Conoco folks in the room, I love Conoco, and I, and I, I wasn't from that background. So here you are coming from, and I came from Texas, right? So I'm from Kansas, and I moved from Texas to Oklahoma. Glad to be here, though. I mean, I'm glad, don't get me wrong. It's just I could see that, oh, okay, so you're, you're not really from here, are you? You don't really know how what's, what's, what's happened, but... Um, but my mission was, and, and I'm still learning it, right? Still learning it, but my mission is, why do you come here? What do you, what, what propelled you, compelled you to come? And it was God. It was a God thing. There was a position created for me that did not exist that I moved into when it got here. Amen? That's favor, right? That's, that's, I know that's favor. I mean, I know the favor of God has been showing up in a mighty way so that's favor if something wasn't there and you move into that role that's favor and so um so being here even the different roles that i have and you know i'm not the manager of the refinery so i'm uh, i'm not that person and my strivings honestly have been uh let me just do god what you want me to do let me try to do while i'm in that role let me try to do it well um but something just this year really just this year god shared something with me because I got moved, I got moved to another role. And I was like, I don't know if I want that role. <laughs> Honestly, Facebook Live people are looking if you're at, at work, and uh, you can kind of disregard this part. But anyway, uh, anyway, so he said, well, I'm, I, I want you there because I want you to pray for that boss. Really? You know, it, and I'm not saying I'm like Ananias, and I was like, hey, that boss was, was, you know, was this and was bad. I'm not saying any of that. I'm just thinking, well, I never thought of that. So why am I sent? I'm sent to do the work, right, for sure. 
and to do it as, as well as I can. But there's a boss that needs prayer. There's somebody that's in that new sphere of influence that I'm supposed to try to pray for. And they need it. And so, uh, so you may be in, a, in, some, in one space for a short amount of time. You may move another. But while you're there, my encouragement is you're sent. And to lift that person up, the people that you're working with, you may not even like them. They may not like you. But you're still called, to, still called to, to be an effective prayer person, you know, um, take that light. Take the light. You know, pray for people. That's a, th- that's a thing. Praying for people is a thing, right? We need to be doing that. So that was, that was interesting. And so I didn't, again, I didn't realize that right away. It took me a long time, honestly, kind of embarrassed to say. I didn't think about that right away. It wasn't until more recently where he said, be praying for your bosses as you move through different, different slots. So the next, the next thing, next, number four, God gave the fruit. So we mentioned fruit, right? God gave the fruit. So Acts 13, where we were reading, we saw that the Gentiles heard it. One of the fruit was what? They were glad. I mean, if I'm a Gentile, and at first I don't get a chance to get into this thing, and then I say, hey, wait a minute, no, Paul and Barnabas are here, and yeah, you're included, I'm happy, Right? So we're happy. And all the Gentiles in the room, we say amen, right? Amen. So the Gentiles heard it. They were glad. They glorified the word of the Lord. And many as had been appointed to eternal life believed. So Gentiles turned into believers. I think that's awesome, right? That's good for us. And the word of the Lord was being spread throughout all the region. So the other piece of fruit was the word got shared. I think that's cool. And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Spirit. There's more fruit. So as the disciples shared, they were encouraged, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So another thought here is in 1 Corinthians 3, 6. I planted, this is Paul talking. He says, I planted the seed. Apollos, who was another disciple, another believer, watered it, but God's been making it grow. God gives the increase, right? The point there is that if there's going to be fruit, Somebody's got to drop seed. Somebody's got to water. It doesn't say God. It doesn't say God get, drops the seed. It doesn't say God does the watering. God's waiting. Who's he waiting on? Right? Who's he waiting on? He's waiting on us to drop the seed, to water that seed, and then he's going to make it grow. He's going to do his part. You can count on that. You can book that. He's going to do his part. We got our part to do. So be encouraged. We can do it. The other thing about fruit. Here's the other thing. You ready? Everybody wasn't happy about it. Right? We saw that people got mad. People were upset. They ended up kicking Paul and Barnabas out of the region. I don't know how big the region is, but a region is bigger than a city, I think. I don't know. Anyway, they kicked them, they kicked them out. And so there was some, uh, some contradicting. There was some, some, you know, people were got envious. You know, I don't know why that is. I'm not getting into that piece of it today, but... But there's going to be there's going to be people that aren't happy with your decision, yeah. There's going to be people that aren't happy with your decision, and then you'll have to make decisions. We'll have to make decisions, right? We've had to make decisions about being able to maintain relationships at the same level because you're, you're when you get a new identity, your your relationship to people changes, and sometimes those relationships need to change. The good thing is you can still speak light to them. That's the good thing. So be encouraged. 
So a couple of final thoughts. We can go to our final thoughts. So the first, the first question, like we talked about, do we know what our identity, uh, what all it includes, and what all, uh, what all it contains, our new identity, right? I encourage us to, to learn more about what God says about us. You know, that's the one thing about identity. If someone says something over you or speaks to you as a child or as maybe it was a teacher, maybe it was a coach or a peer or someone else, words, words do hurt. Words can hurt. Not going to deny that, you know. When you're a kid, when I was a kid, you know, sticks and stones, words may never, they do hurt, right? They do hurt, and they're hurtful, and we see a lot of them. Now, today, in today's society, we read a lot of them, right? But, um, but I'm here to tell you that if it doesn't align with what God says about you, why, why we listen to it? Because it doesn't matter. What matters is what does God say about who you are in him? And that's where our identity, we need to seal that. And, uh, and get that in. So B, our purpose, right? What's our purpose? We talked about it. Um, we're sent to make disciples. And again, today, if you never heard it before, you're a minister. Point to yourself, say, I'm a minister. I'm a minister. That's my interaction with my kids. Thanks for letting me do that. Uh, and then C, where are we sent? You know, there's, there's places that are expected, and there's places like me up here, very unexpected, Right? Uh, so there's places you're going to go, and you're like, oh, yeah, I know God wants me to do that. And there's places like, oh, I didn't know he wanted me to do that, right? So be ready. Be aware. And then, you know, be talking to him. Be talking to him to find out that somebody doesn't say, well, you, I think you would literally do a good job over there. Well, then you go over there. If you think, you know, if you think that position needs to be filled or whatever that thing to do is, you go do it. That's yours to do. God needs to tell me. So be my encouragement is not to shut people down, but listen to what God says, right? God will, God will tell you. He speaks to his own. He speaks to you. We need to listen, but he'll, he'll talk to you. And then, uh, and then D, what fruit are we seeing? Are we dropping seed? Are we watering? We're doing both, right? There's an action for us. And the confidence we can have is that if we do it, God will make it grow. He's going to make it grow, right? So um, if we can have the worship team can go ahead and come on up. The last piece is, uh, you know, in the in the New Testament we have the four gospels, right? We got the gospel according to Matthew, the gospel according to Mark, the gospel of Luke, the gospel of John. So the question I have is, what's the gospel according to you? What's the gospel according to me? You know, it's a, it's a, um, I'm going to read you something that for me just was really powerful when I was younger. I haven't seen it in a long time. I had to go dig it off the internet to find it again. But if you, if you will bear with me, let me just read this to you and um, you'll follow along. I'll put it up on, on the screen. So what is the gospel according to you? If none but you in the world today had tried to live in the Christ-like way, could the rest of the world look close at you and find the path that is straight and true? If none but you in the world so wide 
had found the Christ for his daily guide, would the things that you do and the things you say lead others to live in his blessed way? Ah, friends of Christ, in the world today are many who watch upon your way and look to the things you say and do to measure the Christian standard true. Men read and admire the gospel of Christ with its love so unfailing and true. But what do they say and what do they think of the gospel according to you? You're writing each day a letter to men. Take care that the writing is true. Tis the only gospel. Tis the only gospel that some men will read. That gospel according to you. Can we pray?